Hey, super friends, my name is Neil. My name is Martin. And we are the hosts of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We are here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV, comic book, and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. You can pick up our podcast on all major platforms or head to our website, www.getyourcomicon.co.uk for more. Hidden Gems Edition. It's a hidden gem. It's a gem and it's hidden. It's hidden from view, but it shouldn't be. So I'm here to shine a light on a gem. So in 2010, Fantastographics put out a little book. Uh, well, it's a tome to like 400 and some pages called Freeway. And um, was reprinted. The edition I read was reprinted in March of 2011. Not sure why they reprinted it. I don't know, maybe hardcover paperback, doesn't matter. The writer artist is a guy called Mark Kalisnicko. And um, it is a story about a guy named Alex Kalanika, who is this embodiment. He's an avatar for Mark. And um, it, it takes place in Los Angeles. It's called Freeway. And the main guy, Alex, he is a dog. He's dog-headed. And everyone else in it is people. And he's a dog. And it's never explained. It's never addressed. He falls in love with a woman. You know, he dates women. Nobody thinks like, dude, Alex, you've got a dog head. So right from the jump, you're like, what the fuck is this book? Why does this guy got a dog head? So Alex as is Mark, is an animator. And this, there's so many layers to this book. It's so fucking good. So, and again, I'm always do spoiler free on the hidden gem. So I'm going to do my best to just kind of get you to go read it. It's on Hoopla. So you could read it there. I feel pretty confident it's on Hoopla. Either way, if it's not, you should just go find it. I have the physical copy. So Here's the thing. Alex is on his way to work and he's in Los Angeles. So normal traffic in Los Angeles is a dick. It's just a dick move. It's funny. Those idiot freedom trucker guys from Canada were like, like going to try to cause traffic jam in the United States. So they come to Washington, D.C. This is very recently from when I'm recording this in March of 2022. And they get to Washington, D.C. And the traffic is so bad that they couldn't really make it worse. So it just kind of fizzled out. And nobody showed up. It's just like, yep, it's just another shitty day in Washington. So Washington, Atlanta, Los Angeles. There's these handful of cities around the United States that are just fucking terrible for traffic. And there's different reasons why. Some of them are literally racially motivated, like Atlanta, it's totally true, is bad for traffic because it's racially motivated. And Los Angeles is bad for traffic because the weather, because people like to be seen, because public transportation is not cool. There's, there's a lot of reasons why Los Angeles traffic is bad. Racism is also part of it. Like you build highways and you do access ramps and off ramps and everything in a specific way to make it harder 
for people of different racial groups to get together easily, like they'll literally build highways along the old red lines. It's just a whole ugly thing. It's a thing. That's not what I'm here to talk about, but it's there in the background if you want to deal with it here. Los Angeles sucks, by the way. If you've never been to Los Angeles, I cannot recommend it. It's terrible. I've been there and I dislike it. I don't like being there. It's not, I live in Florida. It's fucking hot. It's not about the heat. It just sucks because it is a place where you're stuck in traffic for half the time and wherever you get to, everybody else is late because of the traffic and everybody is just interested in being seen or seeing people. Like nobody just wants to go sit and enjoy. It's like you're there to, st- I mean, you can literally get maps to the stars and there's like murder tours and there's like drive past some rich people's house or ride, drive past where a rich person was murdered. And it's just bullshit. There's actually a movie called Maps to the Stars, which is a hard watch for a lot of reasons. Um, I don't want to give too much. I'm not here to talk about that movie, but it kind of it kind of captures the sense of the ickiness of Los Angeles. So anyway, Los Angeles, not a fan. But the reason that this guy, um, Alex and Mark in real life, has to has to live there is because of his job. So he works he, as an animator, as Mark worked as an animator. Alex worked works as an animator for this fictional Babbitt Jones studio. And what he, you know, it's like his dream job. Like you grow up thinking, you know, oh my God, I'm going to work for Warner Brothers. I'm going to work for Disney. I'm good, which obviously Babbitt Jones is an amalgamation of those things. And there's a lot of nods to Disney. There's a lot of nods to Warner Brothers Studios, the old uh, Chuck Jones stuff, Tex Avery. All of that is kind of there. And even in the way that he draws Alex, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of nods to those old kind of Chuck Avery, Tex, um, Tex, Chuck Jones, Tex Avery. Sorry, I got the name six up. Comics, cartoons. So he's 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 stuck in traffic and it's it's literally a near death experience for him. You know, like the argument is when you are when you die or when you're near, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. That's the thing. Having survived a few near death experiences, that has not been my experience. Head on collision. My life did not flash before my eyes. Um, Fractured my skull when I was eight. I actually lost that whole day. So maybe after that traumatic brain injury, my life did flash before my eyes, but I was only eight. So. It's hard to know what kind of life I could have remembered when I was eight, but that has not been my experience in a near-death experience, but people say this, this is a thing for a lot of people. So that's kind of what this is though. He's trapped. He's trying to get to work. He's totally stressed and burned out. So he's reliving his life while he's slowly grinding through traffic. And so you flash back to him moving to Los Angeles from Canada. You flash back to him moving next door to this woman that he likes you you flash to you know his meeting the woman and then meeting her parents and all of the stuff that comes with that and then you also see this is my favorite part of the book and all that's real like this is just with a guy who's a dog there's a guy with a dog head this is so incredibly real heartbreakingly real like i this is a tome but i read it in like one sitting because i couldn't stop it's so heartbreakingly beautiful and I read it, I read this a while ago, and I've, I've sat with it for months before I could sit down to record this, because if I would have recorded it right after, I'd probably, this would have been just like a lot of sobbing and me hitting pause to blow my nose, because there's something in Alex that we, everybody can relate to something that, that he's going through. So you, you look back on your, your dream job, right? You may be a person who has your dream job. And you, what, what did you think your dream job was going to be? You thought 
you knew what a dream, your dream job was, right? That was, that's the whole thing of a dream job. You're like, oh, it's going to be this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be whatever. And so you imagine that dream job and, um, you know, you, you fantasize about it before you get there. And so there's a lot of that with Alex. There's a lot of him fantasizing what it's going to like for work for Babbitt Jones. And he sees these pictures on the wall of the original animators. And he imagines like they're this Algonquin round table, like they're so cool and everybody gets along and everybody's awesome. And I love all these people and blah, 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 blah. And, and then of course the reality is it's like, this is what you're going to do work in this cubicle listen to these guys. And then he imagines like everybody gets along and they work collaboratively together and you're going to make me a better artist and I'm going to make you a better artist. And we're going to tell amazing stories and we're going to inspire people young and old. And it's like delusions of grandeur and it's amazing. And then it's like backfighting, you know, you know, infighting and backstabbing and all the bullshit that comes with working in an office. And you've all been there. You've, there's somebody at work that you fucking hate, right? Now I work alone for the most part, right? I've been working totally remotely long before the pandemic. I've been an online, eight years totally online. I used to teach in a classroom. I could teach in a classroom again. I've been teaching online on and off for about 20 years, but I've been exclusively online for eight and I do not want to fucking go back. And there's still people I fucking hate at work, right? There's still a few people who are like, ah, you see an email from that person. You're like, fuck that person. Or you see, oh, you got to go to a meeting and so-and-so is going to be there. And you're like, fuck that guy. And I only see these people remotely or, you know, three times a year in person. I don't have to like pass them in the hallway or sit in a room with them. But I've been in those rooms. Like I've, one of my favorite things at one of the last jobs I worked in, uh, literally these two women, adult women in their fifties with PhDs were sitting in a room together with the rest of the staff talking about each other to our boss. It's very like bad sitcom. We're like, you need to tell so-and-so that I'm blah, blah, blah. But they didn't say the name. They're like, well, some people think boobity boo. And then the person who obviously we're talking about says, well, other people say blah, blah, blah. And it's just absurd. It's <laughs> childish bullshit and so alex finds this out that's what his life is like and there's petty jealousy and we've all been on the wrong end of that right like you come somewhere and you've got a good idea and instead of everybody being like great idea you let's all work together to make that idea hooray and put you on your shoulders and carry you around i mean maybe that's what you envision right but at least you're like hey i've got a good idea let's work on it let's make a good idea let's do something that doesn't happen here. Every good idea, there's one really petty, jealous guy who's not a very good artist, but he, of course, knows that. And he sees these other people around him. So he's always stealing their credit and he's just a dick. And it's just a rough, it's just rough. And so it's really honest about what office politics are like. And it doesn't matter. Everything is just a job. And that's the thing you, there's, thing that I love about Freeway is you envision, oh, living in Hollywood, it's going to be so glamorous, bag of dicks. Oh, I'm going to work for this, this animation studio and I'm going to get to do this. It's going to be amazing. Bag of dicks. And it's a bag of dicks because it is, because you set yourself up. And I'm not here to say have no expectations. You should have high expectations. I go into everything hoping it's good. Or if I know it's going to be bad, like the Sharknado movies, I'm always thrilled. Because those are amazing because I know what they, they know what they are too. And so that's fun. But you, you shouldn't ever go into anything going, I'm going to hate this or this is going to suck. I mean, sure, I hate watch some things. The Godzilla, new Godzilla verse, the new monster verse, those are fucking terrible. And after I saw the first one, I just kept going back to see the rest to hate watch them to kind of mystery season. Three, mystery science theater 3000 them but I wanted them to be good but I knew they were going to suck so I just went in and enjoyed them and like laughed at how stupid they were 
that's totally fine. I mean, I paid the money. I mean, I'm not, you know, that's the thing. I, I'm just as bad as everybody else. But like my expectations were crappy, so I had a good time. But when your expectations are so high and you have delusions of grandeur and you set people and jobs and ideas up on pedestals, then it can suck. And so Freeway is about that. Like he idealizes his romantic relationships because he's these, he's this like recluse guy. He's an artist. He looks like a dog in this. But so when a woman loves him, he can't wrap his mind around that. So he allows the relationship to overwhelm him, not in a good way. Like, you know, you get to be with a person and you're in a good loving relationship and that relationship does consume you and it becomes who you are. It becomes part of your identity because you care about that person. But Alex doesn't really necessarily care. He just, he's so desperate to be loved that that's all he can see and deal with. And so there's that. So again, this is a, this is a book about having realistic expectations going in positively, but then also being okay if everything isn't perfect. And because to him, I got going to work at Babbitt Jones. I'm going to live in Los Angeles. And then he's living in a shitty apartment. And there's like this religious zealot who's trying to convert him and people are stealing his money and, and he's witnessing violence. And there's these three women who are like, you know, they'll like work their way into rooms and then they'll trash a room and then they escape and they're just like trashing these hotels and he witnesses this. He's not sure what to do because he's just desperate for women to like him. And so when he finally gets in a relationship, that doesn't go very well. Although it is the thing about it that pisses me off about Alex and, and his wife in this is that she's real honest with him, and but he doesn't listen. And I feel like there's a commentary there too. We've all been in those relationships or, or you know somebody who's this way where it's like, you say the truth. You say, I think this, here's what I'm going to do. And the people hear it and they think something, to, they think something totally different because they, they think you're joking. You're like, no, no, this is true. I don't like you. I don't want to go to that. Like where I live, people are like, you should do this and you should do this and you should come to this party and you should come to this event. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm an introvert. I don't like coming to those things. I'm not going to have any fun. I don't eat meat. We're not going to have a good, I'm just not going to, you have fun. I have nothing against you wanting to do that, but I'm somehow the pariah for saying no. Like saying no is way worse than going and being a dick for some reason, right? Because the truth, people don't love the truth. It's it's not something that everybody can get behind. And so, or they just want, they want to hear what they want to hear. So Alex's partner in this, she's real honest with him about what her family situation is, who she is, the time she can give him. And he seems to accept it, but then he's genuinely bitter at her. Like he feels tricked, but I, I don't love that. But again, it's real honest. Like Mark doesn't have to be that honest. He doesn't have to show a character, Alex, as such an honest to goodness, huge fucking prick. And it's okay. Like, I, you know, there you can have an unlikable main character if the person you can relate to him, because we're all unlikable sometimes. Nobody's a saint, right? Everybody is a dick once in a while and everybody has flaws and and we see why Alex has his flaws. We understand them. This isn't just, um, he's a dick for no reason. I mean, again, it's over 400 pages. We get plenty of time to see why he's this way. And there is a commentary too on mental health and you know beyond just setting false expectations for ourselves, but how, how do we handle that? And specifically how do men handle it? There's there's this pressure of like men of a certain age to do all the work and to be the manly man and to do and to make more and be the whatever. It's bullshit, of course, but it's there and it's ingrained and it's ingrained in Alex. And so, and in his coworkers, and there's a guy who he works with, who um, 
slowly loses his mind and he's sort of mocked and it's painful to see. And even though it's done in a loving way, a little bit, you know, Mark, Mark doesn't make fun of this guy, but it is there's humor there because the guy sees the humor in his own, you know, spiraling mental illness. And it's and it's whether it's mental illness or whether it's just mental pressure. And I think there's a commentary here because there's some people who have mental illnesses. Right. There are some people who have bad mental health and that they can get through that with talk therapy. There's some people who have mental illness who need talk therapy and they need some help of medication. And both things are acceptable and reasonable and make sense. Right. If you've got high cholesterol and you do, do you work out and you eat right and you still have high cholesterol, take the fucking Lipitor, man. Just take it. It's OK. It doesn't make you less than because you're like, well, I work out six days a week and I don't do this and I don't do this and I quit. And you still have because that's your fucking genetics, man. Some people are born diabetic. They didn't do anything wrong. Shit happens, right? Mental illness is the same thing. It's all genetics. It's it's brain chemistry. And so there is a there is a talk here about that and how we look at mental illness, but also how we look at mental breaks and those moments of like out of body experiences. And so Alex is having one, right? Again, it's a, it's a near death experience. It's an out of body experience as he's trapped in this hellacious, you know, traffic jam on a freeway in Los Angeles. And, and, and just, and the way that he's like seeing things around him and we, the reader aren't sure if like, is that guy in the next car, a psychopath murderer or not? Is that real? Is he imagining that? And we don't know, which makes it, even more tragic because you're witnessing a breakdown. And, and I'm, again, I'm not saying this is like an easy, fun read, but it's an important read. And, you know, this is, this was written 11 years ago, 12 years ago. And so America at that time, you know, and, and the world in general, but, you know, in America, there was a big recession, 2008 recession, we were still coming out of it by 2010. And so he was obviously working on this during that time of the, so that was also a big thing is you can't, you, you can't leave a miserable job when there's no job, right? Like right now, there's a gluttony of jobs. Like if you right now, you listening, you're like, I fucking hate my job. I fucking hate this. I fucking hate this. There's odds are another job. Now it may not be as convenient. You may have to take the bus further. You may have to drive farther. You may have to get fucking stuck in traffic, but there's an option, you know, like I like my, I'm frustrated with my work a lot of times. I know you are too, but you know, I've, you know, it's like, I've made the decision like, okay, well, I'm frustrated with some of the things at work, but I'm also being asked to be part as a change agent. So I'm going to do that. So I'm going to double down. I'm going to bust my ass. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to see how I can help make, get through something. I can't do them all myself. I'm not that person who thinks I can, you know, but I'm, I'm going to be part of the change. And be the change you want to see, right? That's the that's the Gandhi line. So I'm going to be the change I want to I want to see in the world. But not everybody does that, right? Not everybody want is the change they want to see in the world, and not everybody, depending on their situation, can be right. Like right now, if I was really sick of my job, I could go find another teaching job. Sure, maybe it wouldn't be online, but where I live, there's like five universities within shouting distance. Plus, nobody wants to be a high school teacher right now in America, rightfully so, for lots of reasons. But I could go get that. I could. I have an education degree. I don't have a teaching certification, but because I have the master's in education, I could just go get a temporary emergency certification for five years. And I could just go be a high school teacher right now because I've passed the background check. I've done all that. I could do that. I've got lots of options. In 20... 10 and in 2008, 29, when he was writing this, people didn't, you know, he seemed to have it all, right? He's like, I've got this dream job. I'm as an animator. I'm doing entertainment. I'm doing this thing. I live in Los Angeles. Everything's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. I've got this woman who loves me. I, you know, 
he couldn't leave because it looked too good, but clearly something was eating at him. And so when I go back to that job I was saying about where the two women were bickering at each other in front of everybody, I hated that job. And it was a great job on paper. And um, I left it. I left it for the job I currently have. It was an in-person job. And I did it for only two years. The money was outrageous. The amount of money that they paid me to only teach eight classes a year and like sit on two committees, do some office hours, like so essentially to work 25 hours a week, they were paying for eight months a year. The money was obscene. And everybody there said, well, it doesn't matter how miserable you are. The reason everybody's shitty because everybody's miserable, but nobody leaves because the money's too good. And they called this term the golden handcuffs. And it's true, right? And when this job that I have came open, I took it and it was a huge pay cut. And in order to make the same amount of money that I was making there teaching eight classes, where I teach now, it's called teaching in the overload, I have to teach maybe 15 classes to get the same 15 to 16. Sometimes I've taught 20 classes in a year um, to make the same amount of money I would have teaching eight and 20 hours, 20, 25 hours a week. I have to work a lot more, but I'm happier now. I'm in better shape. My mental health is not great. I will be the first to admit that, but it's way better than it was then. I mean, I was miserable that I gained 20 pounds. I was grouchy. You know, I didn't, I had already quit smoking at that time, but man, if I, if I was on the verge of quitting to smoke, if I was trying to quit smoke, I just no way I, I would have been able to quit smoking during that. It was miserable. It's a miserable fuck. And I, I didn't feel like I had, because I'm like, well, the job is good. And everybody's like, this is the perfect job. And they pay so much and the hours are so good. But I wasn't using my time well. It wasn't like I was using those, all that time off to like better myself or to have happiness or joy. I was miserable all the time because all I could do is fucking think about the shitty job. And so when you feel stuck, when you're in a financial place, and for those couple of years, I needed that job. Like I couldn't go back to part-time. I needed that money. We had lots of stuff going on in our lives personally. I needed the job. I needed the money. We needed the really fucking good insurance because we live in America. And of course, your insurance is tied to your job. And I paid a lot for the insurance. I paid like, wow, what was it like 800 bucks a month or something for the really good insurance. So, but we needed it at the time for lots of reasons. So, but I stuck with it. And so you see that and you've all been stuck. And this is a job. This is a job. This is a book about that. It's about being stuck literally in a, in a fucking traffic jam and figuratively in your life and, and in your past and living, living with regrets. And again, it's not, this is not an uplifting book to, on its face, but sit with it, read this book, sit with this book. Then, you know, think about your life. Like there is, this is a, like a call to action kind of book. It's, it's a warning. It's beautifully drawn, by the way. It's like cartoonish. He's considered himself a cartoonist more than an, uh, an animator or an artist, you know, like a visual artist. He calls himself a cartoonist. And that comes through. But I love this book. I, it, it's one of those ones that grows on you and, and it deserves all the reads that it, you can give it. And um, I, I, I just, again, I don't want to say too much, but I, I'm so glad I read it. I'm so glad I was moved by it. It made me think. It made me feel. It's important. It's important. It's important. Freeway. Mark Kalisnico. I'm sure I've said your name wrong, Mark. Mark Kalisnico. Let's say Mark Kalisnico. I fucking love Freeway, man. Thank you for making it. And um, it was awesome. So I hope you've enjoyed my ramble. I, I know it's probably down or I know I get on my high horse and I pound on the table. But this is an important book and you should all read it. Um, and I love doing these hidden gems because uh, I, th I think 
I've heard from from people who've like, oh my God, I read that book and it was so cool. I'm so glad you you did it here. So I hope you go read this again, totally spoiler free other than, you know, it's it's about a lot of things and it's, it, it will be to you as as they just said on book club recently, art is, you know, reflective of, of who reads it and everybody gets something different. So you may get something totally different out of this book, but you should definitely read it um, and be moved by it and think about it. And then if you want to reach out to me, send me a message. ARFarina.com is my website. You know, you can send me a message there. You should, you want to talk about Freeway. I'm happy to talk. I love it. Love this book. So thank you, Mark, for giving us Alex, for making us think, for making me you know, like I said, I couldn't, literally it's been months since I've read this, but I, I needed the time to sit with it before I could talk about it in a coherent way to you without sobbing uncontrollably. So I thank you all for this, for listening to this hidden gem. I really do love doing these and um, I look forward to whatever we have next. I haven't decided. I've got a couple in the pipe, but we don't know. So thanks everybody. <laughs>